everyone, we are live with the Breakdown Podcast. Uh, today it is, again, just your uh, lovely Logan Daniel, Aloggy Doves, and the even more beautiful uh, Bubba Babs, Brandon Miracle. Do and I look fall colored today? <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, of course, I've been wearing red for like the past two weeks uh, working at Target. <laughs> So, not that I don't, I I wear tons of of red anyway, so what's the difference? Uh, Let's just start off, and let's talk a little about our our lives. Brandon, how have the past three weeks been for you? Uh, you know, we haven't really talked about this publicly, but, I mean, as you know, or you might know, we have the parody, satire, 50-fact extravaganza up on the channel and uh, that video just, it just exploded. Lots of other YouTubers saw it and retweeted it, like uh, Andre over at Game Explain, Alpharad, uh, Relaxalax, uh, Push Dustin over at Source Gaming. Just a lot of people took notice, really enjoyed it. The reception to this video has been uncommonly positive. Just yeah. like one of the most positive reactions to anything I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we dropped it at the right time. Uh, we put a lot of work into it, specifically you with that editing. Like, there was a lot of editing, there was a lot of animation, and, like, you put, uh, you know, out of the three of us, you definitely put the most hours into it. And so, I mean, yes, it was a team effort, but I want to give you props because, like, oh. you did you did so well. Uh, and because you work so hard on that, like it inspires me to do better work, you know? Uh, so even as I go about my days, I'm getting still getting myself situated, uh, in St. Louis. Um, you know, there are certain job opportunities that I don't really want to talk about publicly right now. Uh, but things are looking up, right? Uh, I'm getting my life together. I'm scheduling things, but like, yeah, I mean, this video is, is really, a testament to the work that we've been putting in, uh, you know, over the last few months, you know, we started really up in February, you know, with, with this podcast, you know, yep. uh, in, and, uh, to Paul's credit, Paul was the one that pushed us to do this podcast. Right. Uh, and at a certain point, like we were all like, yeah, this is it. Like we want to do this, we want to eventually turn this into something, and I, I feel like, and and to to be to be fair to the rest of those subs, right? Because we've almost doubled our subs in like two weeks. Yeah, you know, uh, and the mass mass majority of those were like within that first first week. Uh, and while we still have a long way to go, like we wouldn't be this far if we weren't podcasting every week. We didn't, you know, have the sometimes just the one to two people who are in the stream, you know, at any given point. Um, but, you know, it it paid off. And so it's it's unreal. And we're so close, so close to hitting that 100K. We are under 500 views away from hitting 100,000 views on a single video for the first time in the 10-year history of this YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty unreal. Now, it hasn't been that long for me, right? Uh, no, but, but... Uh, I mean, 
the the work that's happened in this last how long has it been nine months has been more present more commanding and more valuable than the last nine years right this feels like the official launch of the channel but the channel has definitely been here for a long time right um, I mean, I rebranded it as the Break Room Arcade back in 2016, um, and I was—I've been fairly consistent on the channel since there. Uh, since then, not doing anything particularly structured. The podcast is really kind of what got the wheels turning. Yeah, I mean, definitely when we started the podcast, I saw that as like, okay, if there's one thing that we can do consistently, it's talk about games. It's talk about the media that we consume, because one that's just something we do all the time anyway. So if we could do that on a public forum and have some people come and listen, at least that's something, you know, and it's something that like for those who dig podcasts and, and dig uh, conversation. And, and for me, like I saw the worth in, you know, making um, like personality based content, you know, as, as I talk about and I, um, and like, this was, this was that basis, right? And it's, it's kept us focused. I, I feel like it's allowed us to, uh, explore other creative opportunities. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel like that video would have been made if we weren't doing this podcast. Cause this is kind of like the foundation of, of what we're doing on the channel, right? Yeah. Uh, everything else spreads out from these podcasts, from seeing the things we love to do. Um, yeah. Quick shout out to Conman RDW in the chat. We had him on with Rogers Base earlier. Uh, no, excuse me, at the end of last week to talk about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Make sure to check out his channel and all the stuff he does, and go follow Rogers Base as well because they are lovely people. Um, and that's another thing we should mention is like all of this work that we've done. Um, we've made some amazing friends, and I think that might be the most valuable thing that we've gotten out of this. <laughs> Yeah. It's just the community that we've built. It, we've definitely, like, learned a ton as well, you know, learning that there are certain things that we should pay more attention to when we're uploading videos and how we conduct ourselves and, you know, even even the way that we construct and we even talking in front of a camera, you know. I've, I have made more videos... Um, you know, just recently in this past year than I've, I've ever made before, you know, and it's given me a, a platform to do, you know, just that, which is super exciting. Um, you know what, now that you mentioned that I'm going to check, but I think this is our 300th video <laughs> on the channel as a whole. Yeah. Okay. Let me look. No, oh, we actually, we passed it. Oh, <laughs> this is this is number three hundred and three. That mean the the one we're doing right now is three hundred and three. It should be yeah, and that's oh. not counting a ton of videos that are not publicly available on the channel anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's been a great few weeks. I also ordered my insulin pump with the intent of making some vast changes to my health. Uh, that's been a very scary, but simultaneously very encouraging thing for me. Um, 
and I hope that the bill doesn't drown me, <laughs> and that the effects of the pump will drastically improve uh, my life, just in general. I um, imagine that it would. <laughs> it's going to afford me a lot of freedom in my life that I don't currently have. Uh, I don't remember what it was like to be someone who didn't have diabetes, and I've only had it for three years. Um, I don't remember what it was like to just eat freely without worrying about it. Um, I don't remember a time when I didn't have to inject myself multiple times a day. Uh, thinking about the changes that will come with the insulin pump has really, really put the last three years of my life into perspective. Um, so I greatly look forward to the change and hope that it it gives me the improvements to my health that I hope it does. I hope it does too, because, uh, you know, ever since, uh, you had your, uh, near death experience, um, yeah. I, I, it's funny being friends, being good friends with a diabetic, how much more you pay attention to diabetes and what happens in the diabetes world. Right. Um, like even some of the things the you know, the recent types of pumps they've been developing that are constantly, you know, monitoring your blood sugar and then not only have insulin, but also glucagon in it. And it's just pumping a little bit. And, you know, they called it the bionic pancreas, right? One of these things for the longest time, they have a different branding now, but it's essentially what it is. It's an artificial technological organ. You know, it does right. the work of the pancreas? Yes. Okay. Well, the pan does the work of the pancreas and the liver. So the pancreas okay. produces insulin, the liver produces sugar. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So like that technology is going to be integrated into a lot of, uh, a lot of different insulin pump brands that are at the market level, consumer level. Um, the one that I'm getting will eventually have that technology. Uh, and I believe the way insulin pumps work is that with insurance, you're entitled to a free upgrade every X amount of years. Okay. So now that I have this insulin pump, uh, years down the line, I will just have a free upgrade to essentially what is a bionic pancreas. Right. Uh, and it takes most, if not all of the work out of being a diabetic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's so yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I thought I when when I was turned on to that kind of that combination of technologies, you know, because uh, the technologies like have been there, you know, for for a few years now, and now it's just you know finally uh, making it to market. And I just think about and and it makes me emotional thinking about how you as my friend will just have that much more freedom and won't have to like. The, the, the best you, you get, you get to a point with like any health issues where you can manage them and the less you have to think about it, the less you worry about it and the better your life is, you know? And so like, I think about how much that freedom of is afforded to you in, in that prospect and, and it makes me emotional, right? Yeah, it's um, kind of interesting that you say that too, because uh, the effects of diabetes right now for me aren't nearly as severe as the stress that just comes with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so removing that stress, in addition to just what the pump can do in general for my health, 
I I could see just my overall attitude uh, being significantly improved. That also makes me feel good that you guys care. <laughs> oh, dude, I I think about my friends constantly, and and like even it's... not just my friends, but my family, and and what that could mean for them. It's it's why I you know behind the scenes I won't get into it on here, but it's why I I constantly kind of hammer in politics in our conversation, you know. Um, on certain issues yeah no and i agree with that um i think you sent me a video from hank green once talking about the loneliness that comes with disease was it the one where he was talking about his own like i think it was crohn's yeah it was crohn's disease yeah um and i related to that so hard because i don't have anybody in my circle like like my immediate circle that is type one or otherwise. Uh, And a lot of the emotions I feel about being diabetic, I can't really share with people and have them understand in the way that I do. Yeah. Uh, And that, that's a very lonely experience. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can imagine. I mean, just experiencing something that you don't understand and that everybody else might think you're like crazy. It's like, Oh no. Like for example, like I've been having my own health issues and it's been really hard to describe because I don't have like a name to put to it. Right. Uh, I have my suspicions. Uh, and thankfully, you know, (laughs) thankfully and not thankfully, uh, my sister has been having some similar issues. And so we're kind of on this journey where we might have the same issue and we can talk about it. And at least I Mm -hmm. have her in my life to talk about it. Um, but like for so many people, it's, they've been so dismissive, like, oh, you're young, you'll get over it. Like you'll just, you'll heal. But then I'm like, no, 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 it feel it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a one-time thing. Like I've just been not getting enough sleep or not eating well enough. Right. It feels like something is there and, and it may very well be, you know, just something, maybe some just changes I need to make some basic changes. And I don't know for sure, but it's it's really difficult when people become dismissive of those problems just because they it doesn't show or they don't see or they don't they don't feel the pain or the discomfort that you're in you know uh like i'll wake up in the mornings and i'll be really really stiff and i'll be sore and i'll just it won't be excruciating pain but it'll be bothersome like i worked out the the day before but it's like almost all the time You know, that same exact thing happens to me because type 1 diabetes is not something you see Mm -hmm. for for the most part. I mean, when you get older, there are definitely some things that you will see uh, that I hope I can avert. Um, But, you know, I that's one of the things that discourages me from talking to people about it is because, you know, they don't see what I'm going through, even if I'm just with them. Um you know, just spending the day with them. They don't, they don't know how I personally feel like whether I'm in pain or if my blood sugar is high. Cause that comes with a feeling like that's not something that I just have. It's something I know I have. Um, and I can't share that with them. And if I do, they don't, they're not going to understand yeah. exactly how that feels. And I've also been dismissed with my type one diabetes before. And I'm like, that's a that's a real disease that people recognize, and you're still dismissing it. Yeah, uh, I've you know something that I've learned, and and I I feel like I've known it, but you know you get better at certain things, right? 
sometimes it's just deep seated, like, like thinking habits that you have that you had since you were young, uh, but trying to overcome them. One thing I've tried to do is to never, never assume that, you know, what people are going through. Right. Uh, and so I kind of do, I have like these, uh, these, like, like, like I have like a playground, you know, in my head of like thoughts and I'm mm-hmm. always, I'm never making any assumptions about like, oh, these people are lazy or these people are this or that. It's like, they might have something going on in their lives that I'm unaware of. Or maybe if they, if I know that they're going through something, don't pretend like I completely understand everything that they're going through and don't try to assume or, um, you know, like I don't exactly know what goes on with type one diabetes, but like with all the things that I've been experiencing, uh, I've experienced peripheral neuropathy, uh, which is something that you definitely, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, It gets less and less as I kind of take steps to take care of myself, uh, which is encouraging, um, mm-hmm. knowing that it feels like I've progressed, uh, in, in a positive direction. Uh, I guess that's the connotation with, uh, progress uh, as opposed it, to regress. It, it's funny too, thinking about that, like, you know, I'll have a lot of these breakthroughs in my health, especially in the last year. I've, I've definitely been on an upswing in my life as far as diabetes goes. Um, but like sometimes I'll get like new technology, like when I got this guy, the the Libra, where I can just scan my arm and I, you know, I get my blood sugar and I know how I'm doing. Right. Um, I can tell people those things. I can be really excited about it, but they don't care, and it's not <laughs> their fault that they don't care. Right. And I can understand that, but I mean, also like that is also part of the loneliness is I can't be happy about things together with other people. At least, right. not truly. Like it's nice to hear. Um, when I talk to you guys about it and you get excited for me and I tell you my health is good or, you know, I'm getting my pump in a few days. Um, but, you know, just on a general level, like, you know, I'll talk to people at work and I, I just know when to stop talking about it because it really doesn't mean anything to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes with a lot of things in life is like you don't always have the people available at any moment to like rejoice with you in those things. Yeah. Uh, but it is good to have some of those people. Right. And, and at least we, and, and I think I've gotten better about like not feeling so like down on myself when those kind of things do come up. Like I don't go into target and think, Oh man, these people are really missing out on all the enjoyment I'm getting from all these different things. Um, and more, I just, I, I focus more on the people that I know are going to get really excited about those things for me and, and genuinely excited, not be like, oh man, that's super cool. No, they'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then they, they, they feel at least to a degree, like my excitement and they feel that excitement in a genuine way. They empathize, you know, with me. Mm-hmm. And that's super important to have those people in your life. Um, and it's one of the reasons that we do this podcast, right? We started, you know, we, we like to talk about those games. We like to feel these feelings. And and we love uh, to hear 
when other people feel those same things. And, and that's the whole idea behind community. Uh, that's why going, you know, we started out and we talked about a lot about what we wanted this to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and now we're 33 episodes of the breakdown, uh, deep. Uh, we split off a whole nother section of this into its own podcast, um, and we wanted, we, we, we all knew we wanted to build a community. Uh, we wanted, um, I, we're more concerned about the few people that come back, you know, time and time again than the passerbys, right? Uh, we're, we're more concerned about getting, you know, 500 dedicated views as opposed to like 2000 random views you know right. uh and then also those people who come into our discord discord plug you can join our discord uh from the link below the video and and that's what it's all about it's about finding the people you know who enjoy who we are and then we can enjoy who they are and having that back and forth and feeling like we all belong somewhere you know, which can be really difficult in in this day and age. At least I know it has been for me. I'm sorry, say that again. Oh, just feeling like we belong in this day and age, like oh, belong somewhere. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's why some people, uh, you know, why I think that's one of the the good things about like you know, organized religion. It's like people go and they feel like they belong and they can have that community. And and some people don't have organized religion, so they have to find it in other ways. And 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 I want to make this, at least in, in part, one of those places. I feel like on some level we have definitely achieved that. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at all these goons in the chat, and I say goons uh, with, with all my heart in, in the best of intentions um and man it's it's good to have you know at least three or four people just going on in the chat and and talking about uh games with us even though we don't you know acknowledge every one of uh their comments like just know i see all of your comments and i i appreciate we are reading every single one right um you know, and it's also, you know, this this whole talk is also one of the reasons we added the uh, mental health uh, channel in the Discord. It's it's yeah. so, like, it's not it's not just all fun and games, you know? It's it's a place where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, looking for some sort of relief and guidance, and, and, and we want to be there for each other. And we want the community to be there for each other, you know, making these connections and, uh, meeting up for smash demo events, you know, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait to do more of, of that kind of thing. Um, the, the day that we got to spend with, uh, spend with uh, dream drop and, and con men and con men's girlfriend and a couple of their friends, just, it was a great time getting to really know you guys and spending the day spending the day together and just like spending it um doing something we all were really excited about and that was playing super smash Brothers. um and i know a couple of you guys were excited to meet us it was also 
um, exciting for us to meet you. Uh, so overall, it was a really great day, and I can't wait to do to just do more of that because it's a it's really positive, very uplifting, um, and uh, it means a lot to me, <laughs> just in general, to know that we're having a positive impact. But with that, uh, we I I'm anxious to talk about the things that we have watched or played uh, in the past few weeks. Um, and there are definitely some like intersections, uh, with you and me this week, uh, that we will get to, uh, yeah, but... you played Pokemon red and I played Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, almost, almost it's pretty uh, close. Brandon, tell me about some of the movies and TV that you have watched this week. I'll start with what I did most recently. And I mean this because I did it last night. Uh, I watched... Uh, Infinity War for the first time since release uh, on my 4K home theater set up in my basement. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. That was one of the... One, there's Here's the thing. like With 4K Blu-rays, not all movies are shot in 4K or you know mastered in 4K to begin with, but they'll release them on 4K Blu-ray at the premium cost um, just to do it. Yeah. Uh, that said... There are some movies that get mastered in 4K after the fact uh, that still does make a noticeable difference. And I think Infinity War falls under that category. But from my couch and just watching it, especially with the sons of Thanos, like I could see so much detail on their faces that <laughs> I I couldn't see a single pixel from where I was sitting. Oh, see, it that's was... the goal. That's the goal. That's that's the point of saturation that and and this is I've talked about this before, but I I don't think home media is going to get much further past 4K. Cuz uh, don't you, worry Conman, I'm not going to talk about the movie itself, but more the experience. <laughs> um cuz like once you can't see the pixels like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore because you you literally even if it was like 8K now the the difference in resolution makes a difference as screens grow right so if you can if you can fit like a hundred foot screen you know maybe you can get up to 8K and and then that'll make a difference but with like a how big is your TV like 65 inches uh I think it's 55 okay. Uh, with even up to 65, 70 inches, like 4k from like a distance of being on the couch, you're not, you're not going to see the pixels anymore. No, uh, in fact, I should say this, like some of the games that I play that I can play in 4k, I've yet to do this with a movie, but, um, with some games that I can play in 4k, I'll sit like five feet away from the TV just to see, you know, the effect and how good it is right and i'll be like five or six feet away from the tv and i still can't see any artifacting or any pixels of any kind um and it's just like making up my entire like viewpoint um it's fantastic right and i think that's why like you know hdr has kind of started to be one of the other selling points it's because, because now okay, we have to do it and we have to improve the image in other ways now. Right, exactly. We're getting to a point of saturation where, like, honestly, like, for, like, a basic home setup, like, I don't think I'm going to ever have, like, a TV larger than 65 inches. 
uh, and 4K again, it's gonna it's gonna reach that point of saturation where you're not gonna see see the pixels, right? And so now it's just a matter of like, how do you fill out that space? Uh, it's a really exciting place to to be in because eventually, like, especially something like okay, talking about like the console wars, right? It's like, oh look, this is more powerful than this. Um, and, and like the resolution discussion, right? Eventually everything's going to do 4k and then people are going to stop talking about it because like, that'll be essentially where it maxes out. There might be some 8k down the line, but again, like you just have to think about it on a practical level. The only places that some of those higher resolutions are really going to matter as are in the theater experience. I mean, after we get to 8K, as far as a home theater experience goes, I don't see any benefit of getting any higher than that. Yeah. Your TVs would have to be massive to truly take advantage of the change. Yeah, and people are... I can see, are... like, home projectors you could make a case yes. for. But yes, still. You, you need to have the space for it, and who has the space for, like, 100 inch tv right i think as far as my basement setup is going like once i hit 75 inches as far as the tv goes like that's the max i can't do any bigger than that <laughs> right and like and then even to that degree like do you feel compelled to get a 75 inch tv at this point not at this point but if they ever if the opportunity ever arises at a good price um i could see where my where my particular setup in the basement could benefit from that right but um, it's, it's, but I'm very happy with what I've got. <laughs> now, I will I will say this one thing. The, the place that resolution is going to matter a lot going forward is with VR. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think there was like, there is a headset, I think, meant for consumer consumption. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's the Pimax 8K. Uh, and I think even then, like, you can still see the pixels, right? Right now, we're with the current, like, more enthusiast headsets. Um, it's, uh, it's, what do you call it? Like, we're still dealing with the screen door effect. But in terms of, like, traditional media, it's all about, like, okay, now where do we go with aspect ratio? And how do we make deeper colors? Um, and, uh, to Baconator, it depends on, I guess it really doesn't even depend on what instrument is in the background because I can play piano and I can, uh, play guitar. (laughs) (laughs) So there's your answer. And, um, I, I play a lot of music and I write a lot of music. Um, I will plug this. I have my personal channel under the name Logan Daniel. Uh, you can look that up. Um, if not, I'll post it in the discord. I think there's some other channels I might get mixed up with. I only have like 38 subscribers right now. Uh, and I have some original music on there if you're interested. Um, but going so back as, as far as, um, my four pay, my four K setup mm-hmm. in my basement is concerned. Uh, last night was like one of the times where the value really showed itself. Yeah. Uh, I see it a whole lot more with movies than I do with games. It's understandable when it comes to video games, right. especially since I'm just operating on a PlayStation Pro or a right. PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, still, for some games like uh, Monster Hunter, I play in 4K, and when I'm sitting far away, I can tell when I switch to 1080p because I can't read the text anymore sometimes. Right. Um, so I know it's an improvement 
for a lot of people, it can be hard to tell because uh, 1080p is already a pretty tight pixel density. Yes. Um, yeah. And when you increase that more, it's not as noticeable. But uh, I, I notice my eyes are strained a little bit more if the resolution's a little lower. Yeah, maybe we're just getting adjusted, you know? Yeah, but last night was like with Infinity War, I could, I could really see it. Yeah. And it, it felt good. And that's I think that's one of the reasons I haven't been like terribly compelled to to go 4K just yet is because like there's we're, we're still in its infancy. Yeah, and there's still like most content like is upscaled. Like even with the PS4 Pro, um, like most of those games are upscaled, and then it doesn't even play 4K Blu-rays. <laughs> and a lot of the games are only actually going to 1440, and not all the way up. I think right, which is still an improvement um but it is but uh it's i mean it would be nice to get used to that of all the pixels on the tv yeah uh but in addition to infinity war a couple weeks ago i watched baby driver for the second time um still haven't seen it first first time time. (laughs) since i saw it in theaters okay this movie pairs really well with 5.1 setup by the way (laughs) oh really Uh, music is so incredibly ingrained into (sighs) the movie um and they do a really cool thing and it's not even that unique but like the the main character baby will often have his headphones in in the movie and it plays a, actually a pretty major role into the film itself but whenever he takes an earbud out uh my satellite speakers are playing his headphones the headphone audio so i was sitting next to my left satellite speaker and he pulled his left earbud out and the, the speaker went dead and i could hear oh, the song from the other side dude, of the room. that's so exciting especially because like i've had experience with surround sound mixing like mixing like for video and stuff like that and man okay when when i'm when i'm mixing like just stereo like music music is going to be stereo right uh generally there have been some like albums that they've like remastered in 5.1, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but even mixing in stereo, sometimes like trying to pan everything correctly and make everything sound really good. Like that's involved enough. But once you add like four more speakers, like that gets really, really involved. And then automating the panning. And uh, I remember, uh watching a movie and after like you experience some of that post-production audio work it really changes how you listen to movies you know and then so if you get into like i i just love especially like, for me a lot too especially with something like um a dolby atmos right and dolby oh, yeah. atmos is like 17 point two or something like that right because you, you have like ceiling speakers with yeah yeah ceiling speakers you have all these speakers around there's like two subwoofers i don't know it's it's insane right and so in that in that case like i don't know i and this is this is where i'm excited for like like 3d interfaces with like vr and ar and stuff like that mixed reality uh, because mm-hmm. like all of a sudden if you have a 3d interface for something like that and you can like literally just put your hand in and then just like automate like that like that's insane and it's very involved i watched my college audio professor um edit sound for dolby atmos uh because he is a professional audio engineer he's worked for the onion and a few other places um and he was showing us the workflow for dolby atmos and it's a sphere and the sound is node-based 
So you move the node in the 3D sphere where the sound should approximate, and uh, that that you know that approximates it in the speaker space. Right. Well, and that's how I, I I've never seen it, but that's how I would anticipate. Like that seems like the most logical type of interface for that, right? And which, which is, is why crazy like user friendly level. Right. Well, and this is why I'm excited for just like again like VR, AR, 3D interface, like digital interfaces. Um, even for like 3d design, I, I can't imagine like the kind of tools that are going to be developed in the next like decade, uh, for that kind of thing. And, and then how it'll improve and, um, improve workflow. And I'm honestly like take down, like push down costs of like certain, uh, like development and, and 3d animation and, and such, you know, definitely. Um, if you haven't seen baby driver, if you like, uh, excuse me, Edgar Wright. Um, if you've seen any of his movies, like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, Shaun of the Dead, and there's a few more that aren't coming to mind right now, definitely check this out. It's an editing masterpiece. Like They edited this film on set while they were filming the movie. So I... much of it is like timed to sound effects and music that, like honestly, they would have had no other choice but to edit it there but it really shows when you watch it. It is such a treat. I wonder how much that guy got paid. Like the main editor, like he must have like, oh man, like right. <laughs> he must have been like just. I all that I, all all his programs must have been like second nature, right? <laughs> I mean, this obviously is going to be like in the film world they call them dailies, where you watch back the. Uh, the film that you've shot on that day and then you roughly cut it together to form whatever scenes you may have gotten. Yeah. So that's what he was doing on that level, but it was still close to what you'd consider a picture lock. And again, what a picture lock is, is when they arrive at a finished image edit, like this is how long a shot's going to be. This is how long it'll be in the film. And this is how they cut together. That way they can send it over to post-production. They can work on coloring and CG. Um, So that's, that's mostly what they were doing was achieving picture lock on set but that's still incredible <laughs> uh, yeah. i watched part of like the behind the scenes right um for for how edgar wright came up with this movie and this movie is something he's wanted to do for years and they had like all of the storyboards and animatics done well before like the movie was even greenlit that's how like specific uh edgar wright had gotten with this movie and how much was just ready to go I feel like that's the mark of like a true visionary. Like I, I hear stories about like, you know, even musicians. Cause that's mainly my specialty and, and audio. Um, but like, sometimes I'll hear things in my head. Like I'm like, it, and it's very crystal clear and it, it happens more often when I'm actively writing like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but like some people, uh, have reached the point where they know exactly what they're doing and what they want uh, and they can write that out, you know, and then like make, make documents to, to have it to where like, this is, this is exactly what we want and people perform it and they're like, yep, that's exactly what I needed. Right. And so in a similar way, that sounds like what it, you know, he said Ed- Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright. Yeah. Uh, and he and- is a true auteur. <laughs> yeah that's um, that's super exciting logan is an audiophile i am still angry that you haven't watched this movie i know and it's funny because it's my younger brother ethan's like 
favorite movie. And he has it on Blu-ray, and I've been home on several occasions, and I've had every opportunity to watch this film on if Blu-ray. If you haven't seen it by the next time you're at your, your parents' home, next time you're here, we're going to watch it. Yeah. We've got the 5.1. It'll be perfect. Let's hope that I get off for, like, Thanksgiving, and I can just, like, drive home and, and, and do yeah, that man. kind of stuff. So. Me too. Uh, moving on. uh I'll save this next one for afterwards, but I've also been watching Haunting at Hill House, which is a horror series on Netflix. Um, I believe it is based on a book by the same name. I I don't know that for sure right now. Uh, I can look that up. But regardless, this is one of those shows or one of those horror pieces that's focused more on the psychological element, uh, element than just, you know, cheap jump scares. And that's something that I appreciate because uh, I have a ton of like claustrophobic kind of tension anxiety like if i'm specifically in movie theaters but uh so having something at home to watch makes it easier for me but also knowing that it's mostly psychological which is something i like more anyway uh, right definitely drove me to this show i'm four or five episodes in and basically it is a series of interweaved stories about the past of this um like set of like five or six siblings and that this house that they lived in and the things and the happenings that happened in that house and how it's affected them in their adulthood okay and uh it focuses more on the brokenness of the family but you know what all those horrific things did to make that happen right um so there's this great like back and forth between future and past that you get in every episode um transitions between them are seamless um, and it's it's weaving a really interesting story. Um, I'm about halfway through the show, and I can't wait to go back and watch more. Um, but if you're into horror stuff or you know psychological horror or anything like that, I couldn't recommend this enough. This is fantastic. Uh, definitely. We, I mean, we've kind of been in a horror renaissance in the last few years, I'd say, with movies like uh, It's and The Conjuring that are you know more well crafted pieces rather than just you know a popcorn flick. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, I I I feel like horror in general. I think I, I on on average, like just media in general is getting like more masterful. Like it's it's much more of an established art now, you know, specifically like with movies and TV, uh, because like these forms of media have not they're not old, you know. No. Uh, late late 1800s like having some of the first like moving pictures and and such um and then you know there's broadcast television and now we're in this whole new era of just like hey make something and upload it online you know uh and mm-hmm. it's the best stuff is really making its way to the top you know cuz anybody can talk about it anybody can share it it's so any- different than like the scene or like the the actual movie theater scene where where typically the better marketed movies are the worst movies because that's where more of the money is spent and more more of the time is spent um so they make it to the top and then like movies that are crafted with with more passion and more care um they don't get noticed and it's the opposite on you know services like Netflix because you're not you're not paying it wouldn't make any sense to uh well besides the subscription fee but it wouldn't make any sense to push something to the top that's bad right 
So now I we mean, have a place where these uh, these directors and these production crews can make something they're proud of and people will actually see it. Right. And I mean, there's, there is something to be said about viewership numbers because Netflix still wants people to watch these things. And so the things that are watched more, um, you know, they have to, they have to weigh these things, but right. it, it seems as if because of this communication, because of like aggregate sites like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, uh, that more people are drawn more often to the really good stuff. Now there is still popular bad stuff, and that stuff has a right to exist, and it has a yeah, right to I'm be not enjoyed there's as well. Anything right. wrong with that? Absolutely, uh, but you can see that there is because there's all this discussion, all this really, really good stuff for really good reasons uh, is being viewed and shared, and and I I'd love to see the internal numbers at Netflix. Um, but also because of like that medium and the subscription service and the ability to binge shows, just mm-hmm. drop like a whole season all at once instead of like, you know, spacing it out. Just watch it at your own leisure, right? Uh, it's allowed for you know more things to happen and and have a little bit more freedom in the way that we tell stories uh, with uh, visual media. You know, it's a, it's interesting that you brought that up because uh, there are a lot of things in the Haunting at Hill House that you could miss if you're, you know, if you're watching it for the first time. Like, they'll hide things in the background or, or maybe even sometimes in the foreground. They'll just hide things in frame that you're not going to notice on your first watch through. But it, it'll pertain to the story. It might be there to spook you, but uh, they're counting on you watching this more than once and it's in a place where you can do that easily right and actually i'll i'll mention this so uh john green um of the author also Mm -hmm. of vlog brothers fame he just did a video um partially about his book looking for alaska uh, and specifically talking about how years ago, cause it was his first novel, uh, somebody had bought like the movie rights to it. Right. Sure. Um, which he glad he, he was like, Oh man, somebody wants to make a movie. That's awesome. Uh, they had a really great script for it. Uh, eventually it got canned, but that money that he made off of it allowed him to do a lot of really cool things that he wasn't able to do. He didn't have to stress about money after he sold the movie rights. Um, and I'll, I'll post that the link to the video uh, in the chat. Um, but he also mentioned the fact that looking for Alaska is, as in terms of visual media is happening for sure now, but it's not going to be a movie this time. It's going to be a limited series on Hulu, Right. So he said a lot of the things that would have, you know, gotten lost uh, in in the movie version, because you only have, you know, max maybe like two and a half hours to tell a story uh, with a limited series. There's so much more freedom to talk about things that, you know, were implied, uh, only implied by, you know, in the book. And, And so because of this medium, you're able to they're able to make something that's so much more true to the source material. And I think that's a great thing. Even something with like uh, the handmaid's tale, you know, it's now we're in season. We've 
season two. I think it might have gotten renewed for a third season, but that's based on a book. Uh, same with Game of Thrones. You know, they don't have to turn it into right. a series of movies. It's like we can do so much more with like several seasons of a show. Uh, and now and they're even a... making a prequel out of it specifically right. for TV. So I it's it's just a it's a great day and age to be in, you know. Oh, for sure. Um, I uh, we have uh, the next season of Black Mirror comes out next month, right? I does it? Say it does. It's coming soon. I I that feels really like soon. Wait, is would that be season six or season the last, five? The last season came out last December. Well, I know, but they like. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, this I don't see would be anything. Season five, by the yeah. way. I don't. I don't see anything for it. Um, I we know it's, it's, it's coming expected, back. Expected to be released in December two thousand and eighteen, and will include an interactive episode. Oh, uh, I did hear about the interactive episode. I think that's really significant. Uh, and not that interactive visual media hasn't existed before obviously we have video games uh but I mean, to have something in this with, uh, they're teaming up with people Sorry. from like telltale games to make these kinds of things yeah um, so we're, we're starting to see some media kind of come together to produce new media yeah actually the first thing i thought about when they were talking about like interactive media is there is an episode of futurama where they go to a movie theater and it's a um it is a there's like this one like reoccurring like in universe show um uh, and i can't remember what it's called but it, it stars it stars a bunch it's a it's a robot show right uh mm-hmm. and they're in the theater and at a certain point it stops and then they're like oh make this decision will um will this character do this or will it do that and and fry hits like the one button and then it announces to him like you chose this one he goes no i didn't choose that one it's like you definitely did and like it just decided for them right um but to have something like in reality like that that's not just like a joke in a show uh is it's really cool it's like a choose your own adventure book except it's like there's also discussions to to kind of move that stuff into movie theaters too. Yeah, that'll be that's super exciting, and it'd also be interesting to have like a whole like season of a show do something like that. You know, I, like there is there is one on Netflix already, I believe, that is doing that. Um, well, it kind of like a test run. It was uh, the Puss in Boots series, Puss in Book. Okay. From DreamWorks Animation. Um. Also, Minecraft story mode. Oh, that makes sense. But I think isn't Telltale was involved with that, right? Yes. Yeah, because I mean they developed the actual game story, uh, Minecraft story mode. Um, so we're kind of like right on the genesis of this idea. Right. Well, maybe not the idea, but definitely the technology making it possible. Right. I was about to say, like, the idea has been there for years. I mean, even just with choose your own adventure books, you know. Right. Uh, and certain certain video games. Um, um, that'll take me to my last thing that I watched. I'm pretty sure it's been three weeks. I've been trying to remember everything I did. Um, but this is kind of where Logan and I did the same thing, but we didn't do the same thing. Uh, so I started watching Riverdale. 
Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Riverdale is a new adaptation of the Archie Comics characters in a kind of gritty, suspenseful uh, thriller slash drama slash teenagers at high school kind of show. Um, yeah, and it, it features Archie characters. Like, Archie himself is the, the protagonist, and you have um, Betty and Veronica, as well as uh, Josie and the Pussycats are also in this, in this series. Um, it was interesting is that Logan started watching The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, not knowing that it was... Uh, you, you didn't know it was based on an Archie series, right? I didn't know. I mean, I've known about, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch for years because of the show. I always thought it was kind of like, whatever. Um, which was also based on the Archie comics. Series. Right. And I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that it was an Archie comics. It's funny because like, I, I'm just realizing what kind of legacy Archie comics has. Um, yeah. because like most, of, most of my life comics has been DC and Marvel and it's just been superheroes, but it's like, Oh, there's like a whole nother, like huge, like comic book company, Archie. And probably I knew about others. Archie as a kid, um, but I I th- I think I only read it in panel form. Yeah, I time. I knew about Archie, but I that's all I knew. I was like, it's just Archie. I didn't know there was like Archie comics and like all of these different you oh, know the, the IPs. Umbrella. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I started watching Riverdale because I wanted to watch the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and there was talks that maybe at some point they'd cross the two series over because um, obviously they're both both based on Archie properties. Um, so I started watching Riverdale and after the first episode, I decided I was going to keep watching Riverdale. <laughs> I think I, I was following this show kind of in the back of my mind, uh, watching some episodes of black nerd comedy, uh, Andre Meadows, cause he kind of watched it ironically and then accidentally started to like it because he was a fan of Archie comics and he did not expect this to be good. Uh, turns out it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, the drama is there. The uh, the mystery is really cool because they kind of unfold the secrets of the town of Riverdale and how all the people there are connected to it. Um, it, it's, it just unfolds in a really interesting way. I mean, it does, it's not doing anything groundbreaking, but it's really solid. Yeah. I'm, I'm into the atmosphere. I, I enjoy the characters. Uh, you have Cole Sprouse. One of the, you know, from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Well, that's that's how I know this show is is because of Cole okay. Sprouse. Now, here's the thing. I'll, I'll interject. One of the reasons I haven't watched Riverdale is because almost everybody I know who watches Riverdale is a woman. <laughs> and that's a really <laughs> bad thing to say. But, like, okay, generally, the women I know, they're not like too invested in terms of like, look at this really quality content. Like I have a lot of, and not that I don't have discussions with like intelligent, uh, nuanced, like movie discussions with women. Right. That's definitely right in the fine line right now. Right. Call me sexist, whatever it may be. Um, but a lot of the women I know, they're not like into that kind of thing. And so those are mainly the women who are watching Riverdale and they're like, I love Riverdale because like drama and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh, it's going to be one of these pretty little liar shows. Um, it's going to be like so much drama and it's not, it's funny that you say that. Cause when I told my wife, I wanted to watch it, she says, Oh, that's the one that's 
that's part of Pretty Little Liars, right? And I said, no. So, so okay, this is this has been a learning exper- experience, right? Because I think we all have, like, our... Um, our assumptions, right? And I, I, I get better at questioning my assumptions, like, all all the time, every day, right? And so it, it opens me up to new experiences that I might have been, like, biased against before. And so this is another one of the experiences. Like anime? Well, even, yeah, like, anime was one of them, uh, freshman year of high school. So I'm six years into being a weeb. Thank you very much. Congratulations um, on your weebiversary. <laughs> um... <laughs> But like even like even like something with like I I heard there was a I was not excited for the chilling adventures of Sabrina because all I thought was that it was going to be uh, a you know a Sabrina the Teenage Witch remake uh, which it's not uh, but I'll get into no. that after you talk about uh you keep talking unless you're done with Riverdale uh let's see I'm about five <coughs> or six episodes deep into Riverdale uh the one thing that's different or, like, one of the biggest things that's different between it and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is that Riverdale is a show that airs on television. Um, as as to where Sabrina is a Netflix original. Am I right yes. in that? Yes, Okay. Um, I mean, I don't have a ton more to say about it because I'm only five episodes deep. Uh, that said, I hear a lot of people who play Persona 5 say that, like, the point of Persona 5... Well, not the point, but, like, one of the big things about Persona 5 is that the parents suck. And like four episodes into uh, Riverdale, I was like, wow, the parents suck. The parents are like the worst people <laughs> in the show. They are awful people, a lot of them. Um, I... A lot of the drama that happens between characters is fueled by the parents. Like the parents are the catalyst. Right. Uh, it's a really interesting approach that I imagine a lot of teenagers would appreciate. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's something similar with Sabrina, except it's less just parents and just more adults in general. Like, they're the hard-headed ones. Uh, They're the ones who are starting. And some of them are, like, not even technically human. Uh, So it's, like, you know, it's a little bit different. But, um, Mm -hmm. and, and of course, there are... But I think I think all of the younger characters... They're the ones who show a little bit more like change and be like, oh, well, I, I screwed up there. And then so they're, they're it's like they're not like antagonists, but they may be for like an episode. But then they like serve a different role, like almost like their relationships are evolving with like the main characters, specifically Sabrina. And, and, I, and I like to see that change and that ebb and flow of, of the characters and their motivations mm-hmm. uh, and, and their actions. Um. Like, I'll say this because I don't think it's too terribly spoilery. Throughout this season, like, there's this battle of Sabrina, whether she wants to um, essentially sign her soul away uh, to Satan, you know, uh, for to 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 keep her witch powers. Right. Because that's that's the caveat. It's like you need to. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like, uh, am I a Muppet or am I a man kind of thing? I guess so, though I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. You want Have to you explain seen the Muppet movies? Uh, a few of them. I the one I I I've not really seen a ton of Muppet movies. I've seen. Have um, you seen the Muppets with uh with Jason Siegel? I have not. Okay, well, there's an Oscar-winning song in that movie, by the way. Oscar. Okay. Winning. 
um, where Jason Siegel and his brother, his brother is a Muppet, but he's a... Okay. They have this internal struggle about whether they identify as a man or a Muppet. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's... So I, I kind of just use that as an analogy for stories where people don't know, like, what aspect of their life do they want to continue with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very much the same because, uh, um, the Muppets, man. Uh, that's Sabrina, great... yeah. Sabrina's father, uh, was a warlock, which is just a witch, but the male, you know, uh, title for a male witch, right? A warlock. Right. Um, right. And then, which is something like I, I didn't know. I think I knew in the back of my mind when they started talking about warlocks. I was like, I knew that, but I didn't know it because I would have just called them a male witch, right? Um, I mean, Ganondorf's a warlock. I don't know. All I know is that my roommate has a black cat, and after watching that show, I'm definitely a warlock. So, <laughs> pretty hype. Um and then, like, her mother was a, a mortal. It was a human, right? And so she has mm. that dichotomy, uh, and they they play on that back and forth uh, throughout does, the season. Does she still, does she still like, live with her aunts? Are her aunts yes. part of the series? Okay. Yes, absolutely. They are central, and they are one of uh, Sabrina's biggest causes of grief. <laughs> they weren't shown a whole lot in the initial trailer, but there was, like, one oh. shot of Hilda, I think, and I could have sworn on my life it was the same Hilda from the sitcom. I was like, "Hello." Oh, uh, they, I, I, you could see right. They, you know, they had the sitcom, and and you could see Zelda and Hilda like in in them, right? They weren't, they weren't, they're not the same actors. Um, I really, really like okay. the performances of both actresses. Um, they just do their perspective thing, and and here's here's something I will say is I love both of their characters and I think both of them I would them... hope so because that you know that played a huge part in the success of the sitcom um was was the ants Yeah yeah absolutely uh and something I will say uh if if you guys uh, didn't know I went into this thinking this was a remake of the sitcom It is not it is based on a different uh, series which is based on the same IP as Sabrina is the Teenage Witch because she is still uh, Sabrina and she is a Teenage Witch. It's based on the comic reboot. Yes, uh, and it's much much darker in tone. There is a I, lot of. I think I think Riverdale is also based specifically on a reboot comic. Yes. By the way, uh, that would make sense. And um, oh man. What this show is just I, you can see the comic in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to a lot of scenes, I I started watching the first episode with my buddy Corey, and and it was funny because that night I went over and I hung out with Corey and we started watching this like British, uh, like doctor like comedy drama, um, which was fun, but at a certain point. He was like, oh, have you seen the new Sabrina show? And literally a few minutes earlier, my friend Hannah had messaged me and she goes, oh my God, the new Sabrina show. So good. Like very, very good. Like she was like highly recommended. And then without any communication between the two or me mentioning Hannah's, you know, message to me, Corey's like, let's watch Sabrina. I go, I guess this was fate. We watched the first episode. I was like, 
I'm so, so into this. It was so uh, well executed. I'm excited. Yeah. And it was funny because, like, Corey was, Corey was, like, mentioning, uh, like, some of the shots. Like, there will be this vignette of sorts mm-hmm. where it'll focus on, like, one central part and then the rest will be blurry. He goes, I don't know why they do that. But I was like... I've, I love it. They don't do it in every shot because sometimes there's more than one important character in the scene. Um, but it's something that they use often. Uh, and I, I feel like it's just very reminiscent. Like all the shots are very reminiscent of how a a comic would be presented to you, you know? Yeah, um, definitely from the way you make it sound. It sounds like it. It's it's there in part to be part of the visual identity of the series. Absolutely. And, and so I, it, it felt like I was watching a comic, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, um, which it, it, River, Riverdale doesn't do that as much. I'll say that. Yeah. So, uh, I love all the characters. Uh, I love the, the back and forth between some of the, there's like, there's so many characters, so many characters, uh, and, and they all feel, uh, essential, to the narrative, you know, in one way or another. Um, and okay. I will say this and, and here's my, here's my lonely, uh, sad boy coming out. Right. I love, love, love the relationship between Sabrina and her boyfriend, Harvey. It is, it is central, right? Um, you know, going back and forth between like, do I want to be a witch? Do I want to be a human? And and establishing all this stuff. Like, I feel like the pacing of the first season was amazing. I think it ended on a really great note and really set up the second season really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you can just see, like... And, and again, the actors do it so well. Like, they communicate just how in love like these two characters are and how much they're like, I just make googly eyes at you every time and I get giddy. I was like, this is so amazing. This is so like, I have kind of a similar experience <sighs> with a, a character relationship in, in Riverdale. And it's a lot different actually, cause it's not romantic, but uh, it's between uh, the characters of Betty and Veronica. Yeah. Um, because they, they kind of have a, like a stinted relationship because they they are both into Archie. Right. But they like each other a lot. And you kind of see them overcome like their affection for Archie and let their friendship come first. Right. Um and they they do that over a couple of episodes, but like seeing that come together like every time Betty and Veronica are on screen at the same time, I feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll and I'll say this like it's the show is just like it feels like a you know a twist on like a a like a coming of age teenage romance you know but there's this added aspect of like oh she's also a witch uh, and she has to deal with this whole satanic cult and that she's also a part of. And just all this other stuff. You know, she's a growing teenager, but there's also this satanic cult thing. <laughs> but, okay, no, they really, really play into the romance. Like, you watch any, like, any movie or show that's like, okay, it's all about, like, this one couple. And it's like, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And and they uh, they play it up. And I'm, like, so smitten 
on like Sabrina. <laughs> like I watched it. I'm just like, I'm, I'm so in love. Like Harvey, you're such a lucky guy. Like there's not a lot of moments where like a woman looks at a guy like that. And it's just like, ah, uh, and of course it's idealized because it's a show and, and right. that makes for good entertainment. And I just, I think that's one of the reasons I love there's it so much. There's also nothing wrong with desiring a happier world. <laughs> I mean, this is this is true, and I think I I think personally I fought that for so long, and as of late, like I have a more realistic approach to like how I how I deal with these things, and I'm still learning, I'm still getting better at it, um, but I I think I've gotten to the point where I I wouldn't have allowed myself to enjoy something like this in the past few years. You know, I remember having conversations with you where you specifically told me that you weren't into the coming of age story in general. Right. Um, so I'm I'm excited to hear that, um, especially coming from this show because it it makes me more makes me personally more interested than I was, and right. I already was pretty interested to begin with. Well, I mean, now now that I've I finished it, which is a hard recommend. That is a hard recommend because. It's so good. I was like so so impressed. I I didn't anticipate that I would like it as much as I did, but I did, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, and so if you're okay with like satanic imagery, which I know, like if I told my dad about this show, he would not not be into it at all. Mine too, um, for that matter. But I think that's you know the difference between like you know recognizing that it, it's a piece of fiction, right? It doesn't have mm. to have any bearing. Uh, on your your true beliefs or anything like that it's a story uh and you should enjoy it in that context like divide divide what you watch like you it can be separate from reality you know and you can still enjoy it um and that's how you really really enjoy media you have to separate it from the reality of the situation just enjoy it just escape for a minute now that you finished chilling adventures of sabrina you should you should head over to my area, you know, my side. Of the I was literally just about to say it's time to start watching Riverdale. I imagine these two shows are very different thematically, uh, which is a good thing because honestly, they don't want to make the same show twice. Right. Um, but I anticipate that at some point that we will see these characters cross over for something. <sighs> yeah. Uh, and also, I will immediately watch Chilling Adventures of Sabrina as soon as I'm done. <laughs> How many seasons is Riverdale? I want to say that it's two full seasons and we're approaching a third. Okay. Um, and it's like the traditional 13 episode format. Okay. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. A, I used 22 to be... second, a 22 episode season for season two, actually. Okay. I used to be like so obsessed with like just getting more from a show in the sense of like more content. Uh, but as I have like gotten older and then you see like how many shows like we'll do like longer episodes but less less episodes um i definitely appreciate like shorter shows so when i hear like i was about to say that yeah yeah like you know sabrina is this this first season is um you know just 10 episodes also the framing of it right uh they don't call it like a season they call it like part one you know uh that, which that i th- comes that comes with the the thought that the conclusion isn't very far yes almost. yeah but i mean even 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 to that degree 
Uh oh, we need this tab. Um, even to that degree, like uh, let's see, uh, Castlevania is framed as a season, and that still works for a lot of shows. Um, but even like okay, something like Maniac was like limited series part one through eight. You know, it's like okay, we're not getting any more, but that's that's fantastic. That's fine. Oh, that's also I had something. That's also something that I watched. Man, I watched, like, so much. Like, okay, I, I, like, watched, like, the first, like, four episodes of Castlevania, um, season two, um, which is muy bueno so far. There's a lot of, like, good, like, comedic moments, uh, especially I'm, uh, between... I'm a watch party for that. Uh, especially between uh, Alucard and uh, Trevor Belmont, uh, because Alucard's still a... A, um, you know, he's half vampire, right? Um, and so he makes like a joke about like eating <laughs> Trevor Belmont and Trevor Belmont just like gives it back to him. And, and then it's just casual. And like the third character, I can't remember, uh, what her name is. She the, has like the witch character. She's a, I think she's a mage or a sage. Okay. Um, she was like, oh, you guys are all fine. And then she walks away and they kind of like, he got, I think at one point they're like F you. And he goes F you too. And then they laugh about it. Right. <laughs> um, I love the, love the exchange. Uh, in addition to that, man, I really, I'm just now remembering all of the shows that I watched in the last few weeks. I watched maniac. I thought maniac was fantastic. Um, I, this is the best Jonah Hill performance I've seen to date. Like, yeah, he, agreed. Super good. Also, Emma Fantastic. Stone, just out of out of this world. Super, super good. I'll watch Emma Stone in anything, though. Um, so I was a little more impressed with Jonah Hill because I don't watch a lot of the stuff he's in. Yeah. Also, he's so skinny now. <laughs> that said, I love Emma Stone. And yes, she did fantastic. Absolutely, both of them just did a fantastic job. Uh, limited series, just I think it's ten episodes. I believe. Yes, I think so. Um, really well, really well done. Uh, I also watched like four episodes of Atypical, and I've been sleeping on this one. I've really been sleeping on this one. You've been I know really sleeping on you, this one. you and Paul have been going on about Atypical, and then I finally got around to watching Atypical, and I was like, oh man, you want to talk about a show that's like revealing, you know, like. It feels like, and, and I'm pretty uninformed when it comes uh, to, um, why am I blanking, like autism and the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know there is a spectrum and there's varying degrees of competencies. Um, and, and I know they have a lot of struggle with certain things, but I just don't think about it too often. And so this really got the gears going in terms of like, how I view autistic people. Um, and, and I, and I know several people on the spectrum and I feel like this show made their personalities more accessible just because I have more of an understanding of what they go through, uh, and, and how they process things like, you know, there's a lot of moments in that show where people are incredibly dismissive or not understanding or like, oh, he's weird. He's a freak. Right. And then it makes me angry. I was like, but I you guys, had, you guys don't understand. I had this, an experience like that today 
actually. Um, uh, I was at a restaurant that I'll leave unnamed just for the sake of the story. Um, and I was talking to uh, one of the servers there. And we were talking about work because uh, I had my work jacket on. So they were questioning, you know, what I did um, for the TV station and stuff like that. And then I got on the topic of uh, what this person did for a living because they had another job outside of uh, the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And uh, they mentioned that they work with children with Down syndrome. And I, I mean, bless their heart. I know they didn't mean it this way, but when they were describing how they felt before they started working with the children, they said, I would look at them and I would say, ugh. And that felt like a dart through the heart. I couldn't believe just how quickly someone could dismiss another human being. Um, despite that this person works with these children now and has a changed perspective, it just surprised me just how different their perspective was. Yeah. Yeah. And that I that one got me today and I've been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And and again it's like, even watching this and I, I don't get like guilty like I used to cuz I think there's like a certain like utility in guilt like it tells you when you're like oh wow like I've been doing something wrong, right? Hey, I screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Uh so, I mean, I, I do feel guilt, but I just don't get caught up anymore. It's more of like, oh, wow, I need to change, like, how I process things and how I view things. Um, and I will say this. I have maybe there is other media out there uh, that tries to explain, you know, something like this, something like uh, people are being on the autistic spectrum. Um, but I, I haven't come by it. And so for, at, at least for me, and I think probably for, probably for a lot of other people, this show is really, really important because from what I understand, this is a very, this is an accurate representation of what autism can be like. And even like the struggles of the parents, you know, like uh, the mom who is constantly like, I don't, I don't know if he can do it. Like we've dealt with him for so many years and the dad's like really like less understanding, but he's more of like, oh, just let him do it. Like he wants to do these things. We should let him do these things. Uh, but then the mom's thinking about like, well, well what about, look at all the things that could go wrong, you know? And there are things that still go wrong, you know? And I, I said this when I talked about the show, but like the character of the sister is someone I relate to on an incredible level because, you know, I grew up with uh, my sister not having, you know, full use of her brain. Yeah. Um, so she she operates more like an elementary schooler, even mm -hmm. in her 20s. Um, so seeing the way that the sister interacts with uh, Sam and how that changes her life and the kinds of feelings she has from that, like... I can say with uh, with a hundred percent accuracy that that is what it's like. <laughs> yeah, I I love how she is like never hesitant to go to bat for her brother, right? Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, like you can tell that he's he's obviously comfortable around her. You know, yeah. like one of the few people that he's like, well, this is this is just my sister. Um, and it's also it's also fun to see her like just treat him like another human being, 
you know, like she she gives him crap, but it doesn't seem to bother him, you know, uh, that as it would like other people. Um, and, and that's, that's huge because they're just other people. Like, you know, if you're understanding of how they process information, like it's really easy to kind of just like work around that, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and so like, this has been a learning experience for me and, and I, and I, I hope it, and it's, I think it will have a lasting effect on, on how I view people. And I, I can't wait to keep watching. Cause it's, it's I think it's been a, t- a week, um, since I watched it. Cause Halloween really hit me and I was like, I want to watch a spooky show. And that's when I watched Sabrina. Um, uh, I, I was in the same place. And right now I am, I'm like counting down the days until I can watch the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love that movie. Oh, man. There's so many Christmas, like, films that I really, really, really want to watch. Like, I didn't watch White Christmas last Christmas season, right? Uh, So I think once December hits, like, I want to see if I can get some people together and be like, let's all watch White Christmas together. You got to build up that that catalog ahead of time. Yeah, right. I already Uh, watched Nightmare Before Christmas, and that's one I forgot to put on my list. Yeah. Um, Man, okay. I just want to note, like... We we're still talking about movies and TV and we're like an hour and a half into this podcast about maybe a little less, but, um, I think this is a good place where we can move on now. Yeah. Uh, the only anime that I really watched in the last few weeks was Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. I have finally caught up. I were finally in the uh, fourth arc. Yeah. The fourth arc, uh, which is. Technically, just we're in the third season because the second, no, fourth season. The second season was split up into um, two, two parts. Two arcs. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's one arc. It's one arc, just two parts, right? Okay. So they split the season up between um, the first season was the first two arcs, uh, and then the third arc is the second season, and then. Uh, the fourth arc is the third, fourth season, third season, third season. Uh, and now I'm in the fifth season, which is the fifth arc, <laughs> fourth season, fourth season, fifth arc. It's, We've it's all over the place. We know um, we got it. Well, this one that I'll, I'll say this, like this one threw me for a loop just because of the main character, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. the naming convention is like even more odd. I can't remember the the name of the main character, uh, but it should be noted that he's like not a descendant of like the, the Joe stars, or at least it's not, that's not what it seems like. Oh, except he technically is because he is the son of of um dio but dio ha- has jonathan joestar's body so in a roundabout way he's, he's a joestar part of the lineage right in just like this weird way and i was like i can't believe they did that this i i was like so confused after the first like two episodes because i was like trying to wrap my head around what was happening <laughs> i was like they didn't they didn't just do that 
Um, but it's also cool because it just takes place in an entirely, you know, different place. Uh, each season, each arc has, uh, I think they're in Italy this time. Um, okay. So, yeah, he's Dio's son when he was in uh, John's, Jonathan Joestar's body. <laughs> That's what Dream Drops <laughs> say in the chat. Um, so I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but now I'm at the point where I can just watch weekly. Uh, but I don't have a premium Verve subscription because money has been tight the past few weeks. Uh, so I haven't been able to... That, that like, current episode is locked behind that paywall. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, I think maybe I so, have like a few episodes to actually catch up on. Yeah, you can still watch them for free on Crunchyroll, but well, you, you can still watch them. For, well, it's the same thing on Verve because it's just okay. Crunchyroll, right? Um, but I, you, you have to, you have to wait, you know, that extra day. Uh, so I have some, I have some catching up to do, um, but it's only a few episodes, and that's okay. Uh, I think the only other thing that I really watched in terms of anime was I watched a few episodes of the dub of Shokugeki no Soma just to kind of like compare what was happening. Spill it out. Yeah. And I'll say this uh, from like at least watching like the first like episode. I like the dub, uh, though I feel like because of like, the the casting like it, the the characters are giving off different vibes right uh i, I and feel that, like this is the stem of all sub versus dub arguments is like this is what's actually going on yeah like there is like it, it's, it's almost like they're different characters to a degree you know like they have some of the same motivations but the delivery of their line communicates like a little bit of a different personality you know mm-hmm. um and so it's it's been weird because i've never really i've mostly watched dubs you know uh I mean, i've had this experience like watching the sub versus the dub of dragon ball right um, especially with super because i watched it week to week um when there was only a sub um and the, the specific nuances to goku's character are very different in English and in Japanese. Though Funimation is trying to make it a point to get closer and closer to that Japanese depiction. Right. Um, but they do come off as different characters to me. So I, right. I feel you on that. So, I mean, yeah, this is kind of the first experience I've ever had that. And that was one of the most jarring things. At first, I was like, I wonder what the performances are going to be like in terms of, like, are they quality performances? But then at a certain point, I'm like, the performances are fine. But, like, these are... They feel like different characters. And I think one of the things was... Like, I, I it, think if it was even dubbed in the same language, you would have that happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but even, like, one of the... One of the smaller characters that, you know, hometown uh, crush... Girl girl who has a crush on, um, on Soma. Yeah, like, even her, she sounds less timid like she's more like you know comfortable oh. instead of like i'm really shy around you so much i really I was gonna like say you. like shyness is the central of her character yeah but she I, I think it's like the casting of her voice like i was anticipating maybe like a higher pitched voice uh and maybe a little bit more shy of a delivery but she see the voice actress sounds a lot more confident when dealing with soma um 
Though I would say Soma's a pretty good match. Like the, the differences aren't like night and day. They're a little bit more subtle. Okay. Uh, which I think is still, whereas like Soma in the Japanese dub is like, I don't really care about anything. Like whatever. I just love cooking. And it's still a lot of that, but he sounds a little bit more like intimate with his food as opposed to like, I'm really, really into cooking food and I want to be the best cook I can be, you know? Yeah. Like in, in the, in the Japanese dub, he's, he's more excited about the asp or like the prospect of cooking. Um, and isn't so much into taste as much as he is just like the craft itself. Yeah. So against the difference isn't night or, or and day and I and I wonder how it will evolve and how it'll feel if I continue watching the dub, which I think I would like to continue watching the dub. I think this is one of those shows that I'm like, I think I want to give it a try, especially since like it's not too much of a departure. Like I tried watching the sub for uh, Dragon Ball uh, Super specifically, and mm-hmm. man, the difference between the performance of Sean Schemmel as Goku and the voice actress Masako uh, Nazawa. Yeah, for Goku, it was like, "Oh my god. Like, what is this? What <laughs> what is this?" So I I might revisit it at some point, uh but I digress. And that's all the anime uh, I've been watching. Uh but we have uh now for the the main main event really. I will point out that we are just a little over 2 months away from the Dragon Ball Super movie. <sighs> And Super I'm exciting! Excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pick up the sub at this point. Yeah, if I'm if I'm gonna stay up to date uh, and and watch that movie in theaters, which I would love to watch in theaters. Got to support them. Yeah. Um, but we got some games to talk about. We do got some games to talk about. Uh, uh, I I have I'll... a few more that I'll just gloss over before uh, we talk specifically about one of them, and then you can talk about. Uh, specifically, uh, I'll let you talk about your little ones. Then I'll talk about my little one. And then we can kind of get together for the last one. So one in the past three weeks, uh, I finished the story in GTA five. And I, that was one of the things I wanted to do before red dead, uh, redemption two, uh, just because I wanted to finish the main content of the game, right? I, I bought the game. I wanted to finish the main piece of content. You were kind of lukewarm, right? I was very lukewarm about the story, and I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Like, the main draw of GTA is never the story. It's about, you know, driving and crashing cars and killing people and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I was really interested because they, you know, had this more elaborate story with the three protagonists. But um, I was a little surprised to hear you say that because I, I was under the impression it was drive at something. And yeah. it sounds like it just doesn't. Well, uh, are you particularly concerned with spoilers? For GTA 5, no. Okay. Well, I had known about, like, the really the ending of the game. Uh, at the mm-hmm. ending of the game, uh, as Franklin, you are left with, like, a singular choice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's to kill off one of the main characters, right? Um, and I think, and so it's essentially like kill off your least favorite character, (laughs) right? But it feels so disingenuous because like, I mean, these characters are pretty well written. Like they have, 
well thought out backgrounds and motivations and then you develop an opinion on these people uh mm-hmm. and then you decide essentially like who deserves to live and die like who, at least that's what it was for me i'm like what's the character that if i killed off like i feel like the most good would be done or who deserves it the most right who did you kill uh i killed michael which i i would love to see the statistics of like who killed off who and what the percentages are right i would have definitely killed off the other guy <laughs> uh you're talking about um why am I forgetting his name? I Steven. can't remember his name. Either. I remember the voice actor, uh, Stephen Ogg. Trevor. Trevor, yeah, Trevor. Trevor, yeah. I yeah, remember. I didn't. I just I didn't like Trevor even even a little bit. Uh, and I th- I thought about it because I'm like to to one degree like Trevor's a maniac. Like he is he is like pretty much like what you would think of as a psychopath like he doesn't feel though there is like a relationship in the game where like wow he does genuinely care for this one person so maybe he's not like a complete like sociopath okay so like i i didn't know about that um but he came off to me as like really uninspired oh no i really like his character and then like he gets he gets angry about being wronged you know, and, and like he, he genuinely cares in certain areas, but he constantly references that he had a bad upbringing that his parents probably beat him and all this other stuff. Honestly, he sounds like Christian Bale's or not Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan's Joker. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of felt for him, whereas like Michael also had his motivations. Like, you know, he, he took some of the actions that he did uh, because he had a family and he wanted to get out, but it seemed a lot more selfish, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was more prone to killing off the most selfish character in the game. Uh, and like, you know, this opportunity, this choice is presented to Franklin. And I, there is a third option to say no, but then Franklin would be targeted. And I think the assumption is that Franklin would die right okay uh but i'm like i like franklin also i like his vehicle uh i think michael is an awful person and that he was very selfish and that you know i i feel like i would that he's the one who should die you know um so that's what i chose but again it was just very like it just it the pacing was bad it was really bad like all of a sudden it was like Oh, uh, you did some things, and there was a few heists. I was anticipating more heists in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they cut the game short. Like, their $265 million were like, oh, we spent it on the development, and then we kind of ran short for the story. Uh, so we're just going to rush this out. Um, it, it didn't. It felt very impersonal to me. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, ah, I'm just going to make this flippant decision like the characters are all like oh i'm really struggling with this decision but then like the decision's really quick and then you just do the mission and the game ends you know uh there's this whole like segment of like you running after this character uh, running after michael and and being like i'm sorry i have to do this and so it just felt very disingenuous that that choice felt very disingenuous especially as the character of like franklin like he brought it up but i guess i gotta make the decision and like they leave you with that choice i i feel like it would have been just better if they didn't leave you with that choice and they wrote like a more nuanced ending 
you know? Uh, so like, sounds like you don't have any time to digest what happened. No, no, it just was. Yeah. Um, it just kind of went and I was like, Oh wow. I, that was a very unrewarding ending, you know? Uh, but what else did you play this week? Uh, outside of that, I played a little bit of kingdom hearts. Still, still getting through it. Um, the other night I played the Fallout 76 beta, which is a game that I haven't really thought a lot about because I've had other priorities and it wasn't on my plate. Um, I played with my brother and one of his friends and I had a blast. It's interesting because like Josiah was telling me about it and he hated it. (laughs) Did he play with friends? Uh, yes. As far as I know. Okay. Uh, it's very Fallout 4 in a lot of ways. Um, though I feel like a lot of the Fallout 4 stuff fits better in a multiplayer, uh, context as opposed to like a single player, like RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was one of the things that really disappointed me about, uh, Fallout 4 is like they took away a lot of that intricacies in the RPG aspect. Uh, and it just, it felt less personal. Uh, whereas essentially there's no NPCs, uh, there are no NPCs at all. All the story is told through like logs and like, you know, you'll, you'll come across like, you know, situations like areas that you can explore and you'll find tape sitting around. There'll be a little story to tell. And I really like that. Um, and I liked, being with my friends. I mean, that's really the, the, the appeal here, right? Is that it's a, it's a fallout game with your friends, you know? Uh, and I think that makes it worth it. I don't think it would be able to stand much on its own. Uh, but the combat feels good. Like the gunplay feels good. They can't really do, uh, vats all that well because it has to all be in real time because you're playing with friends. Uh, you're playing online uh, so again, I think some of those concessions they made with Fallout 4 make more sense in the context of a you know an MMO of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be, i I'm excited to see how the world will evolve with like content updates because mm-hmm. I do anticipate content updates for a game like this. Like, I mean, know, I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Yeah, I mean they've done it with Elder Scrolls Online, so I would anticipate the same. I mean, that said, Elder Scrolls Online is a little bit more different than it's the series it stems from. Right. And and to a degree, so is Fallout 76. Um, but, again, I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, not to say that it doesn't, won't have, like, its issues. Uh, but I can definitely say after playing with my brother and his friend for, you know, almost four hours... Uh, this is something I'm looking forward to just because I know that there's going to be other people playing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, the other question is, am I going to have any time to dedicate to it? Right. Cause I'm, I'm working that's, and I do the break room stuff. That's kind of what keeps me away from it, I think. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, I'm not totally sold on it just because like I have so many, so much on my plate. And then I will say this, uh, you know, I am playing a small show at a coffee shop on Sunday. Uh, and this is one of the first times outside of college where my name has been 
on you know just like hey come see this show with these artists and my name is there you know uh and that's an exciting and terrifying prospect because i haven't been terribly motivated with my music but these last few days i've put it on my schedule and there have been times like okay instead of playing video games for an hour it's it's why you know haven't even gotten very far into the game that we will be talking about um is because i've been prioritizing more of that music trying to prepare as much as i can uh for this show that's coming up you know right uh Uh, and it feels it feels good like i'm prioritizing the things that i really want to prioritize and it's funny because like i don't miss video games that much you know what i mean like i love video games but like when you play them too often they get really old really quick you know because it's all leisure you know um at at least right now it is like i'd I'd love I, i see myself in the future playing games for for work you know, for the channel and, and streaming online and, and turning that into something productive. Uh, but then consuming less, but the, the stuff that I do consume, I'm analyzing more and I'm digesting more and I'm having a better time with that, you know? It's really not that different than the way we played games as children because, you know, we didn't have the money to buy new games usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got a lot out of the you know, the few games you had. So you spend more time digesting that and, you know, forming, forming an opinion on it. Yeah. Also, I think it's one of, one of the big appeals as to why we want to do what we want to do here is we would love to turn playing and talking about video games into a job, right? Because then we can justify playing tons of video games. You know, because like it's paying out, you know, uh, and, and very little right now. Uh, but that's why we want to build something is because we want to do something we love and get paid for it. Right. Same thing with music. It's why we want to be independent creators. It's why this line of work is so appealing. So we learn other things and we dedicate time to these things and we forego some of those leisurely things to do some work. Uh, so eventually we can do the things we love for a job. You know? Speaking of time, we're running a little long. Uh, yeah. So we should probably move on. Uh, that said, before we move on, uh, just an hour ago, uh, Fallout, the official Twitter page, announced that Justin Roiland will be streaming Fallout 76 as Rick and Morty. Wait. When I knew that was happening, at least to a degree, I didn't know he was going to be streaming it as Rick and Morty, which I think makes the he, whole stream like he'll even be performing better. it as Rick and Morty. Do they have a date for that? Uh, it will be. They didn't put a date on it. November. Okay, November eighth, six p.m. Pacific time. Well, that's pretty exciting. He will be streaming alongside Logic and Ninja. Of course. Of course. I know the Logic thing makes sense, right? In terms of, like, Logic appeared on Rick and Morty. I mean, Ninja makes sense, too. Well, and then, yeah, Ninja makes sense because, like, he's far and above the largest streamer. I feel like he's 
he's made a lot of people take streaming a lot more seriously uh, as a career path. Uh, so one of the games I've been playing uh, is Soul Calibur Six. I am uh, I'm like a casual fan of the Soul Calibur series. I've played a few of the entries, and I just really enjoy the combat system. Uh, there's a lot more focus on the 3D-ness of the arena than there are in other games, and I appreciate that uh, uh, quite a bit. I also love the, the vast array of weapons and weapon classes that play into character movesets. Um, so I was very excited to pick up Soul Calibur VI. Uh, I wasn't super excited about Geralt, because I have literally no experience with The Witcher at all. Um, so there was no, like... There was no guest character that made me buy the game i just bought it because i wanted to play soul caliber <laughs> i mean i i would echo that statement i still really want soul caliber right uh i don't know when I, I will be getting it at some point right uh it might not be until it gets like a, a price drop um but like i have soul caliber 2 and i was playing it a few weeks ago and just appreciating like just like the structure of the combat, you know, and it was and one of the Calibre first two in particular holds up fairly well. Oh, it's oh, it's still a fantastic game. Uh, but like, you know, Soul Calibur released initially on the Dreamcast, right? Yes. Uh, and it was just one of those games that kind of made like sensible use of 3D space, right? Uh, while still maintaining like a 2D fighter. To a degree, but adding more like 3D aspects, being able to, you know, move around each other and then mm-hmm. having, you know, the, you know, there's vertical attacks and there's horizontal attacks, you know, uh, and that really, really plays into how you play and how you approach the, the fight. Uh, and it's just, it's a good change of pace from like just 2D fighters, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, in Soul Calibur 6, you have, you know, your basic arcade modes where you get, you know, a little bit of story of the character you're playing as. But there's a big emphasis on the create a character story mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you create a character, obviously. And then uh, then you have this big world map and a narrative plays out. Uh, on the world map, you can select different missions. It's actually not super linear. There are, like, side quests and stuff that'll branch off and you can play those and gain experience or gather items and stuff to kind of beef up your character before you move on. Right. Uh, and I really like that structure. I can kind of play the game at my own pace, but it's also similar to uh, like event match and smash brothers where each fight will have kind of like a special condition attached to it. Right. I think they did that with the, uh, I forget the name of the mode in soul caliber two, but it's the one where you go around collecting weapons uh, this is a lot more expansive than that, but that also had like specific special conditions on on fights. Um, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, not a lot of fighting games have really compelling single-player modes, and for someone who's not particularly good at standard fighting games, uh, this is something I appreciate a lot. Yeah, I mean, I kind of echo that same statement. Uh, I was actually playing the uh, Skullgirls with Dream Drop the other night, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I really enjoy it. The The fighting is tight. It feels even... It actually feels a, a heck of a lot better than it did in Soul Calibur 2, and that's saying a lot, because that game feels great. Right. Uh, it's really a blast. It looks great, um, and I can't wait to play more. 
Uh, I've only gotten a few hours with it because of the next game we're going to talk about. Yeah, like, this is the, the game the that very, I... The very next day uh, was the day that Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. <laughs> yeah, this has definitely been the game that I've played the most, um, in the, especially in this past week. Uh, I want to say that I'm like 10 hours into it. I think I'm in the second chapter. I'm I'm closing in on 20, I want to say, for playtime. Yeah. And I just hit chapter 3 yesterday. <laughs> yeah. The game is, like, the world is still very much unfolding, you know? Like, something different will happen, and, like, a new aspect of the game will, like, unlock to a degree. And I was also, like wondering like how how much like the economy was going to come into play uh and i still not sure how um but like i saw like a a screenshot um posted on twitter by jasper of odd future fame if you guys know who what odd future was mm-hmm. um and he had like a hundred and twenty one thousand dollars and i was like you realize you, you can out. pick up money? pennies, right? You can pick up mere pennies. How much money? 121000 I was like, how much opportunity is there to, like, make cash money? If right? I hadn't sold anything up to this point, I'd probably have, like, over five grand. So I can definitely see that being possible. <sighs> but, like, I think a lot of, like, it's everything in this game, there's so much more attention to detail. And... And I appreciate it so much more than GTA at this point. Red Dead Redemption 2 feels like a world in the way that GTA 5 feels like a sandbox. Yes. Yes. Uh, Uh, Also, the the more emphasis on storytelling is immediately, like, prevalent when you start the game. Oh, absolutely. And, oh, man, all the dialogue's so well written. Even, like, Mm -hmm. passing conversation that's, like, insignificant, like, just feels very nuanced and well cared for. Yeah. Um, Also, like, they they nail the setting, I think. Um, The way characters speak, it feels accurate. Um, The relationships between different types of people feels accurate. But in a very inoffensive way, which I'm surprised they were able to land that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's even, like, little things. Like, okay, I love the way that, like, you go to your shaving kit and, like, your hair grows over time. And then you can just, like, trim up. Like, there's, like, 10 degrees of length for your beard, right? Right now I'm just... You can just trim certain parts of it, too. Yeah. Right now I'm just trying to grow my beard and my hair out as long as it can go. And then go from there. Uh, I got up to, like, a solid six. At one point... (laughs) At one point, I was just growing out the mustache, so I had this big old bushy mustache, and then I shaved my head. Uh, and that's what I was going around for a few hours. I should say that I... Okay, and this is approximate, right? Is Okay, I say 10 hours, but I kid you not, this isn't approximate. Probably about two hours of, those ta- of that time has been spent playing poker. <laughs> it's fun. It's just, it's like legit poker. It's and it's poker. just like, I like, I'm, I'm so, I think one of this, the reasons this hit game has me going. And at first I was like, I want to beat the single player before like the multiplayer comes out. That's just not realistic, but I can't it's wait like for the multiplayer campaign. Yeah. I cannot wait for the multiplayer. 
to come out because oh, I yeah. want to be I want to be a cowboy and I want to be in a gang with my friends and I want to like take over and buy property and just build up that gang like that's so appealing to me. Also, I love the idea that I and I, I imagine this will be a thing it within like our online gang camp location that we can all just sit down and play poker together. <laughs> oh, I'd be surprised if that wasn't a feature. Yeah. Or I'm like just... five finger fillet or something. <sighs> Yeah, I'm not, you know, there's certain aspects of the game that I'm not, like, terribly, I'm not, like, in love with, not like they detract from the gameplay. Uh, The game is definitely slower, and I find myself just, because it's an open world game, like, comparing it to, um, you know, Breath of the Wild. And, And I can also understand why... Uh, Nintendo would describe Breath of the Wild as an open air game, right? Because it literally feels like it. There's no like space in between, and it rewards you for every little thing that you do, uh, which isn't something that um, Red Dead does, or nor does it try to do. It's not like the focus of that game, you know. Uh, it's all about the actual locations and the relationships and, and being a cowboy and, and all that good stuff. Um, so there are differences, um, man, but I, I think it, it, it makes it, me appreciate both games a little bit more, you know, just I, identifying I the differences. love kind of the slower pace of Red Dead Redemption 2 in a lot of ways. Um, there are moments where I can just kind of stop and just enjoy it without like you know somebody talking to me in game or having to dig through a menu i love the very minimalist ui where there's just a radar on screen and that's right. it right um but the the game allows me to just kind of take it slow and that's something that i that a lot of games these days don't do yeah I have been making a lot of use in the last few hours of gameplay of the cinematic camera uh, and just really like almost like stop playing the game for a minute and just like taking the conversation and the view and and what's happening on screen instead of like making sure that like I'm playing the game right or keeping up with this character just you know, holding down the touchpad and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, initiating the cinematic camera and just holding X and it follows right along with, you know, the other characters. And then you can just take in what's happening on screen. Yeah. Uh, they definitely like encourage that a lot in the beginning. I found myself using it less, um, because I spend a lot more time just trying to navigate myself, but you know, I guess if I used the the camera, I wouldn't have to worry about that anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, like, it doesn't, like, you have to have, like, the manual control if you don't use the cinematic camera. But if you use the cinematic camera and you just, like, hold down X, like, it'll match the speed of the other guys on the horse and it'll follow them, you know? So they speaking make it really of, uh, accessible. Speaking of horseback, uh, the horseback riding feels really good. Feels really good. It feels, it feels really a good. lot better than the first game. I'll say that. I haven't really played the first game, so I can't really speak to that. But this I... is the least clunky horse controls I've ever dealt with in a game. Yeah. I think the only horse controls I like better are Breath of the Wild. Just because... I think the world design probably plays into that more. 
Well, that and then like just some of the functionality. And then it's a little bit more cartoony because it's not trying to be realistic. Like yeah. I love when like you come from the front of the horse in Breath of the Wild and Link just kind of like swings up, you know, on top of the horse and then you just you're going where they they play a little bit more to the real realism of getting on a horse uh in mm-hmm. but it's not like cumbersome uh the horse controls are fantastic they just i i never feel like they get in the way uh the only thing that i felt like has is a little bit of annoying is when you get in like like a, a carriage right and you have like two horses leading it and then if you make the wrong turn and like you hit a rock and you can't get over the rock and you have to back up. It's so slow and the controls are like, ah, uh. but if that ever oh, happens I've to never, you, it's not, I've, I've never had that happen, but it's happened to me on several occasions. And I'm like, the first uh, time I was driving a carriage, I didn't realize I could make it go faster. Uh huh. And like the conversation, it was a very long conversation uh, that took place finished and like three minutes later i arrived at my destination yeah sometimes it's nicer to like sometimes i'll willingly choose to like not get there quickly you know what i mean I mean, that was a case of me not knowing i could get there quickly right but at the same time now that you know it's an you know an option um it, it's like the the have you unlocked fast travel yes i haven't used it <laughs> Well, you can only use it from camp. They they go out of their way to make it so that you can't use fast travel. I don't really and care to. I, well, that's what I was going to say. I kind of appreciate that. Because uh, there's a lot of things that will just happen to you naturally on the way to a destination. Yes. That makes it feel like being a cowboy. And uh, that's essential to the gameplay. Yeah. So I commend the decision to, to kind of restrict that. Uh, that being said, there is fast travel from other locations. But you have to, like go from one location to another. You can't just do it from anywhere, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it kind of plays into like, um, the, the immersion of the world. Like you have to be at like a certain location to get on something. It's like, um, it's like fast traveling in GTA. Like if you really want to fast travel in GTA, like you got to get into a, um, uh, you gotta like get into a taxi, you know, and then it takes you some places, and then it gives you the it gives you the option, you know, to be in the taxi and experience that full taxi ride, or you can skip it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they make certain concessions just for like those who are like, oh, I really don't want to do or go this far again. Uh, but in Red Dead, again, talking about like you'll you'll pass a a carriage and it'll be a cage and there'll be like there'll be some, some outlaws in there and then you can decide, well, maybe I'm going to jump on this carriage and let the outlaws free, you know, or maybe or you'll do what I do and you'll carry them onto the back of a train and then throw them off of the train while they're hog tied. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done something that drastic or creative. There was one time, like sometimes you'll see like, you know, two people on horses and they'll have somebody on the back and they'll be bounty hunters. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and sometimes like those bounty hunters, I'm like, depending on the person on the back, 
I'll react accordingly. Like, I, I feel like, oh, they deserve it. Whatever. I'm going to let them go. But there was one time it was a woman. Like, they, they hogtied a woman and put her on the back. And I was like, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with this. I can't imagine that she did anything terribly wrong. And so, I, like, really quick whipped around on my horse, pulled out my gun, and then I, oh, man, I, I really like Dead Eye. I think it's like Deadeye's really cool. Like I almost exclusively shoot in Deadeye now. I think it's a great I think it's a great way to do like open world combat, especially like Western combat, like boom, 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 boom. Like oh, look, I'm a you know, a real maverick. Like, it makes gunslinger. me feel like that. Yeah. Um so I did that, took out the guys, you know, um, Un- untied her and set her on her way and all you gain is a little bit of honor right um and yeah. then there was like okay and two I- two other situations that i was like i'm gonna do this right one was part of like uh um you have to go out and collect debts for one of the guys in your gang for strauss yeah and like one of the guys you get to one of these it's you're trying to get it from a lady right uh but then like her significant others like i'm gonna beat you up and then like then i i beat him up right and then i took his hat for one um <laughs> i love that yeah i just love how it's like your hat can fall off but then you always you can like if it's your hat it's in your inventory you can always just throw it back on even if you don't pick it back up mm-hmm. um but somebody saw and then I chased after that guy and then I tied him up and then I put him on the back of my horse. And then as I was running away, somebody else saw me and then I didn't go back for that witness. And then I you know, ended up, but then I was like, screw it. And I took this guy out in the middle of nowhere and then I shot him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there was one more, one more thing that happened. And it, it left me. So who 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 cares? But I like, was there's... just uh, I was just riding along. I don't even think I was doing anything specific at the time. I was just going, and this dude is like brushing his horse, and I just stopped to say hello. And uh, I think we talked about like maybe arranging a sale of some kind. And I get off my horse, and he starts walking towards me, and then his horse bucked him, and he died. Dude, that happened to me too. That happened to me. This guy was like, I just kind of like, I didn't even like talk to him. I saw like said hey, and he goes hey, and then bah bucked him, and he was dead. And I was like, did that just happen? Did that just happen? Oh well, um, whatever. I think okay. I think this is where it's similar to Breath of the Wild, uh, and not so much in its essence, but in in uh, its design in interactions, right? Uh, Breath of the Wild had this multiplicative gameplay where they had a bunch of aspects and they all interacted uh, to create like an incredible amount of possibilities in terms of mm-hmm. gameplay. And that was just for the gameplay, like the way you interacted with the world. Uh, right. Where Red Dead does this is in the ways that you can interact, you know, with people specifically. Like, you can tie them up. You can threaten them. Uh, you can do anything. People see you. You're a witness. But then, like, they won't know who you are if you actually remember to put your bandana on, which I forget to do all the time, you know? <laughs> um, 
So just the amount of things you can go bounty hunting. People can bounty hunt you, you know? You can go hunting, hunting. Yeah. And, and so there's just like a whole host of things that just kind of stack on top of each other. And uh, it's all of these things that make the prospect of multiplayer so exciting. Right. There's going to be the sense of uh, uh, like with Rust when you interact with other players and you just don't know what their intentions are. Yeah. Um, immer- what is it called? Uh, not immersive, but immersive storytelling, right? Uh, yeah, I guess that would work. It's like immigration versus emigration. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm excited about the idea of role-playing as a cowboy and living that life with uh, with my own gang. Yeah. Uh, also, the lasso is my favorite thing in the whole game, and I use it all the time. Oh, yeah. dude, the lasso is so much fun. Like, yeah. my first, like, if I'm, like, about to, like, sneak up on somebody, the first thing I do is, like, pull up my lasso. I'm like, let's, let's get them. Let's get them. So wrap them up. Pull them in. Wrap them up. Throw them on the back of your horse. <laughs> there was a, a lady I was doing a bounty for, and uh, she, like, her deal was that she would find suitors. And then murder them, like after getting close to them for a bit. So I I stumbled upon her with a dude, and she told the dude to kill me because I was a bounty hunter. And he said no, so she took out a knife and stabbed him to death. Oh my! And God. then she just ran at me, and I pulled out my lasso, and I didn't have enough time to throw it at her. But as she approached me, I dodged her one swipe with her knife, punched her in the face, and then immediately hogtied her because the la- the lasso was out. Yeah. And it just felt good that I was able to do that. Yeah. You know, this game really excels in its storytelling. Like, it's it tells, like, a ton of amazing and ridiculous, like, smaller stories that just make you go, huh. And then, you know, you might chuckle at some of them. You might be like, that's awful. Like, there have already been several situations, just, like, encounters that they've crafted, like, missions that they've crafted that are just, they feel just so varied and intricate. Uh, like, you know, a lot of, and it all, sometimes they'll fall under these like umbrella like missions. Like, uh, here are certain activities that you could do in the world. You can go collect debts, you can go, uh, rob houses and, and such. Um, and every one of them is different. And so different. All the settings are so different. And like, you can really go at them in any way like if you go in shooting you might be missing out on some really great dialogue or some situations right yeah for Um, sure uh there there's even like even just the basic side quests not not the uh not the kind of umbrella side quests but like the crafted side quests that they have in the game um in my opinion are just as good as the story missions oh absolutely some of the characters they're so zany i did one yesterday where i had to help a a uh like the owner of a circus retrieve all of his circus animals that fell I out of started his that one and then like you get the zebra and it's not a zebra it's a donkey with paint on it <laughs> <laughs> I hear I was so and after they make you do that one because that's the ones like oh it's not dangerous and don't spoil this one for me because I, no, I'm like in the middle of say. it um I I can't wait to see like what the other animals are if they're legit or not, because I'm questioning that. That's what that. kept me playing that mission. Is they, they set that expectation, um, and it draws you to keep playing it. And I was really impressed, because it was just a side quest. I didn't right. have to do it. It's just something you come upon. 
You know, it's like, oh, there's a location and like there's a marker on your map and a little it's all white and there's a question mark. And then you find the person, you start doing it. And you're like, this is nuts. Um, there was one side quest I came upon where you go to like a pig farm uh, and there is a couple and their brother and sister. And I think it's like it's almost implied that they're like incestuous I definitely uh, haven't found that one yet. <laughs> I, I won't spoil that one, but I let it play out. Like I thought about just going in and shooting them up, you know, and taking their taking their money, taking their stash. But I'm mm-hmm. so glad I let it play out because, like, it was they put you in this situation and you're like you're so uncomfortable and and then That's... it's funny because then I went back and I you know murdered them and took their their money and stuff. That's something I'll say about uh, the character of Arthur Arthur Morgan that really impresses me. Like, the Rockstar, the writing team, has not given Arthur Morgan an explicit position on anything. He always, like, responds to things with a level of vagueness because it's up to you to fill out what he actually does. Yeah, yeah. So it always feels incredibly consistent regardless of what you do as Arthur Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Nothing ever feels out of character. Like, you you feel like you can be anything and you can decide who that is. But then if you do something outside of that, you're also like, whatever. Like, I, I remember. Like, if you help something, he's all, if you help somebody, he's usually hesitant about it. And if you try and, you know, rob somebody, he's usually hesitant about it. Right. There was a a point in which um, I went and they had, uh, like, this traveling act that was in this theater, right? Like, the one theater you go oh, yeah, into. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one theater you go into, it's this like, moving, like, moving picture, and it's a bunch of slides and stuff like that, and that and that first area uh, outside of like the intro of the game. But then you get into like one of those larger cities where they actually like, they don't just call them lawmen, but they're like actually police officers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it was like a vaudeville, you know, show. I think that's what they called them, which I've actually like studied that kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is so interesting to me. And they have this roads. I just got to roads yesterday. I, it was in roads. And this was even before like the actual group moved to that location. Like I was just, Oh, you just kind of showed up. Yeah. I no. at at a certain point I was like, I want to see how big the world is. And so I just started riding around, like uncovering the map to see how large it was. Like Mm -hmm. I stopped doing anything else. And I just started riding around uncovering the map. Um, but then I went into the show and I sat around for the first act and like, you could tell you could probably sit there for a good hour and watch this whole show or maybe not an hour, maybe like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but this first act at a certain point, you know, you can have like a positive reaction and clap and cheer like, yay. Or you can like antagonize and be like, boo, you suck. Or like, you know, when's the real, <laughs> or this is fake. And at a, at a certain point, like, you know, there's this act where, uh, this guy catches a bullet. You know, and you can tell that it's like a blank and like, okay, I'm calling this guy's BS and I'm antagonizing him. And he actually like invites somebody to shoot a real gun at him. And I'm like, there's not this actual level of interaction is there, but there is. And you're like, oh man, I can't wait. Cause like you think it's BS and you think when you shoot like that, you're going to kill him. And like, that would be hysterical. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you shoot him, and he catches the bullet in his teeth. 
Oh my god. And you're like, they just pulled that on me. And then I was like, I instinctually like, I can't antagonize anymore. Like, I'm gonna react positively. You know? Like, you tried to heckle the dude. And like, in character, he shut you down. Yeah! And, and That's the amazing. Game, like, it was, you know, it was a scripted event to a degree. Right. But you had to actually make the script happen. And I was like, oh, cool. And then some lady started, you know, playing with fire and swallowing. And then I left. Um, I'm sure, like, if you had shot him before he invited it, he probably would have died. And that's but they don't. Outcome. They also don't give you that option before. Like, oh, okay. They limit you in that way. Uh, the, I, I, the other thing that I was going to say earlier, uh, another just one of these things that happened, like I felt compelled to do something, and I got myself in a lot of trouble, um, is I was walking around roads after, not 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 road. It's like a bigger city. Maybe it's Rhodes. Maybe that's just like the whole area. Rhodes um, is the town. Rhodes, yes. Rhodes is a smaller town. There's a bigger city, like with a bunch of docks, and that's where this was. Okay. Um, and I was just walking around, and there's these two guys, like in an alleyway, and one makes like a snarky comment my way, and I felt compelled to fight him. I was like, no, you're not going to say that. And I punched him and I ended up killing both of the guys. And then a bunch of police showed up and I'm like, I'm not giving myself up. So I killed a bunch of police officers, hopped on my horse, got away. And before I knew it, I had a $190 bounty on my head, (laughs) which I eventually paid off. And that's the other thing is like, I wonder if there's other ways to get rid of bounties. You know what I mean? I think you can avoid them by changing your outfit that's another thing is like you can still have the bounty and just like avoid anybody noticing you that was another thing i'd considered um because you could like you know grow your facial hair out or shave and change how you look and they won't know it's you right um that's really cool and i i think that's really what i'm enjoying about this game is just the sheer amount of situations that'll happen in this game that just make it feel so rich. And I feel like nothing has happened twice yet in the same way. Everything plays out differently. Um, and that's, that's what's so impressive with like the length of the campaign. Like I've got at least 30 hours to go and it's still just super fresh. (laughs) Yeah. So, I'm I'm enjoying this game a lot. Um, I don't know when I'll actually finish it because I can't I can't dedicate a lot of time to it. And I think for the first time in my life, I'm not upset about that. You know, because I am dedicating no, just, so much time I'm to other kinda, things. I'm just kind of playing it at my my pace as well because I know yeah. this is a game that'll still be around for me. I mean, knowing there's a narrative kind of encourages me to just keep playing at a steady pace so I don't yeah. forget things. Um. But that said, like, I, I don't think I could be any happier with this purchase right now. Yeah. I, I have usually been pretty lukewarm, like, on previous Rockstar games. But this one, really, I really latched on to. Yeah. So we'll see how I feel once I finish it. And also once the online comes out, because I'm, I'm very excited about the online. Um, I hope that's out next week, because I don't want it to come out at the same time as Pokemon Let's Go. I just I just want to start playing it before Smash comes out because Smash is the next big purchase. If I don't also purchase uh, Fallout seventy six, uh, but that's a really big if, you know, just because of time constraints and and budget constraints. 
uh, which I'm not, again, I'm not upset about because I'm just, I'm dedicating time to other things that are uh, more meaningful in a lot of ways. And, and right. I, I think that's, I think that's me growing up. I think that's what maturity feels like. You're not wrong. So it's about, um, it's about time. That said, like, uh, we've been going for way over two hours now. Yeah. Um, that said, like, you know, it's been three weeks since we did a show, so it's probably best that we gave you a little meteor one this time. Um, we're just going to keep this going on the biweekly schedule. So we'll just do the next one two weeks from today instead of doing it next week. Um, and hopefully we'll have Paul back on eventually. Yeah. We, we anticipate that we're going to have to change the times of both of the podcasts uh, fairly soon here. And we will keep you updated as we make some decisions about that. Uh, that said, neither podcast is going any- anywhere. Still, We'll yeah. have them both. Dream Drop says you guys are somehow making me interested in a Rockstar game. Stop. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll say I'll say this as kind of a final statement, and it's more just a plug for Discord. Uh, just keep. I want to keep talking about these things. I I would keep talking about these things for hours on end. Uh, and so please, uh, hop back into the Discord. Uh, talk to us about Red Dead. Talk to us about Sabrina. Uh, about Riverdale, about all of these things, uh, because I love discussing uh, these things. Um, and um, yeah, join our Discord. I mean, but I think everybody in the stream is currently in our Discord. So, and I I've posted the link like three or four times throughout. Um, but with all that in mind, guys, uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Bababs. Follow Logan at Loggy Does. You can follow us collective at Breakroom Arcade. Like Logan said, join our Discord to keep following us and talking to us and just keep the conversation going. If you're new here and like what you saw, please hit like on uh, the YouTube video and subscribe to the channel for more content. Also, if you can help us, it would uh, help us. You would rate us on podcast sources, specifically uh, Apple Podcasts would be very helpful to helping our show grow in those places. Um, and if you're here because you saw the 50 fact extravaganza, welcome. Uh, I'm glad you liked that. And I hope you like what we're doing right now. Um, and if you really want to help support us, uh, even further, there's a link to our Patreon in the description. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And that comes with some cool podcast perks. Uh, so make sure to explore that a little bit. And, uh, if you help us out, we'd appreciate it. Uh, with all that in mind though, I think we're ready to wrap up. So, uh, don't break your backs breaking the games but for now break time's over and watch sabrina on netflix later